Hi, everybody. I'm Dawn Perry, and we're cooking up a real simple Thanksgiving. Today, we're meditating on pie and other sweet endings to your holiday feasts. My guests today are award-winning cookbook author and generally adorable human, Dory Greenspan, and badass Brooklyn baker, Emily Elson. We'll talk crusts, fillings, crumbles, cookies, and crisps. Dory Greenspan is the best-selling author of 12 cookbooks. Her most recent, Dory's Cookies, has just been released. She's won four James Beard Awards. Those are like the Oscars for cooking. One for her book, Baking with Julia, and one for Baking from My Home to Yours. Dory, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. So, Dory, the countdown of Thanksgiving is upon us. What are you planning on making for dessert this Thanksgiving? Well, I always, surprise, surprise, I always make pie. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I make pie, and I love tarts. And I think after a big meal, it's nice to have something that's exactly what you want, that has all the flavors that we want for Thanksgiving, but that's just not quite as big as pie. Pie is a, pie's a commitment dessert. <laughs> it's true. We were talking about this in the office the other day. What do you think is the difference between a pie and a tart? Is it just thickness? When I think of pie, I think of something made in a pie dish, something that's going to stay in the pie plate um, and something that is higher, right? That's high. Yeah. Um, And it might be double crusted. Okay. A tart um, is, I think, made in those pretty, you know, fluted pans and is freestanding. You can take it out of the pan. So a pie is what? About two inches high and a tart's about an inch high. That's a good distinction, taking the tart out of the tin versus serving the pie in the pie plate. But with both of them, pies and tarts, you can get a head start on the holidays. You could start as soon as you finish listening to us. Great. Um, Yeah, because the crusts can all be made ahead. And I think it's often the crust that gets people anxious. I think you're right. Now, do you use a different crust for pies versus tarts? Yes. So the crust that I like for tarts is more like a shortbread cookie. Tell our listeners um, who might not know, what are the elements of a shortbread cookie or crust? So my tart crust is like a cookie crust. So it's sweeter than what you might think of as a your traditional pie crust. It's also sturdier in that it will really hold its shape. And it's both crisp and flaky, like shortbread is. So I make my tart crusts with both confectioner sugar and granulated sugar. And that's what gives it that, both the crunch and the tenderness. And a pie crust, we look for a flakier crust. It's a more, well, that's, I was going to say it's a more substantial crust, but that's not true. It's a flakier crust, not as rich as a tart crust or not as rich as my tart crust. Right. And not as... I'm, I'm, this is going to sound pejorative. I was going to say not as flavorful, but I really believe, and particularly with tarts, pies too, 
often people think of the crust as just the container. That's, That's right. what holds the filling. But the crust is its own fabulous element. It's, it should have a texture that either complements or contrasts with the filling, and it should be delicious. It's a really important part of either a tart or a pie. You know, that's a great point. I do think the crust is an afterthought often, but it is often the difference between a great pie or tart and, you know, the filling you just scoop out separately and eat with the ice cream. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I think sometimes we forget that. And while we're talking about pies and crusts, something else, this is my pet peeve. I really don't enjoy something buttery that's baked, whether it's a cookie or it's a tart or it's a pie, if it's very pale. Oh, thank goodness you said this. Okay. All right. So We're you're, on the same you're, page. You're with me. Yes. I always say you know, America underbakes their pastry. This is so funny. The other thing is just I often encourage, whether it's like students or readers, users, uh, to really take it to the edge. And, you know, it's one of the reasons we put indicators in front of the time. You know, the time's just like a roadmap, like you're going to be kind of close to an hour, hour, 15 minutes. But what we really want is to look under the bottom of the glass pie plate and make sure it's golden all the way through. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I was baking some shortbread cookies um, in someone's bakery. And I said, more, more. I want more color. And the baker said to me, you want a French bake. Right. And I had never heard that expression before. I have an equation, and I'm not really good at math, but I say color equals flavor. If you don't get color, you're only getting half the goodness from your ingredients. You're not getting the nuttiness that you get when butter is fully, fully baked. You're not getting the caramelization, the delicious butterscotch flavor that you get from sugar when it's really baked. So I think color is really important. Absolutely. Now, let's talk crust technique for a second. A lot of recipes will ask you to, you know, work butter into the dry ingredients using your hands. Are you a hands person? Are you a pastry blender person? Or are you a food processor person? Food processor. Me too. Food processor. Great. (laughs) So I do know how to do it by hand, but (gasps) my first, first choice is a food processor. It's so quick. If you start with cold ingredients, you finish with cold ingredients, and chill is your friend when it comes to pie dough or tart dough. But I'm a heretic. (laughs) I've only recently, yes, yes, me, Um, or is it I? I've only recently (laughs) started to do this, but it has just changed my life. So I was always taught that when you're making dough, whether it's any kind of dough that you're going to roll, you make the dough, you cover it, put it in the refrigerator, chill it, let it relax, and then you roll it out. Right. I have given that up. Really? Given it up. And I am a better baker for it. Really? Do tell. Yes. Okay. So when you put the dough in the refrigerator, when it comes out, it's hard. You have to pound the thing. You have to take your rolling pin and pound, pound, pound to get it to the point where you can roll it. And sometimes you miss that point. It's like, okay, let's go back in the refrigerator. It's just Mm -hmm. annoying. Okay. (laughs) Use cold ingredients. Make your dough. 
the minute it's made, roll it between two sheets of parchment paper, wax paper. List the paper now and then to make sure that you're not rolling the paper into the dough. Right. Roll the dough out. It's just, it rolls so easily. If you've never rolled before, you're going to feel like an ace when you roll just made dough. And then chill it. Oh. a life changer. And if you've used really, really cold ingredients, you can probably go directly from rolling out the dough to fitting it into the pan and then just put the pan with the dough in it in the refrigerator or freezer. Okay. So you are a pre-freeze Oh yes. Pie baker. Okay. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Do you think, I often wonder, you know, is freezing better than the refrigerator? Because sometimes I think, especially in the case of a double crust pie, if you freeze it, sometimes you get that gap between the filling and the crust because the crust is so cold that it doesn't yield along with the fruit. Do you find that to be true when you freeze? I don't know that I've ever noticed that, but I'm kind of all for convenience. So if I'm making an apple pie, I will put the whole pie together and freeze it all put together, right? Yeah. And then just bake it straight from the freezer. So if there's a little gap, if there's some fruit that bubbles over, I just call it rustic. (laughs) Absolutely. My favorite approach. Right. So this year, you're going to do an apple, a pecan, and a pumpkin. And a pumpkin. But actually... I mean, that's what I always do. But this year, because because I can, right? surprise, I'm making cookies. Because I've just written a new cookbook called Dory's Cookies. And in it, I have an apple pie cookie. Oh, my gosh. Chocolate pecan pie cookie and a sweet potato marshmallow pie cookie. Perfect. um, Which could be pumpkin, right? So that's where I'm going. In this book, I've just like stretched. I I gave myself permission to just redefine what a cookie is. And that's how we end up with apple, sweet potato, and pecan pie cookies. But for anyone who just feels the least bit iffy about crust, and I mean, I'm really like, an evangelist for crusts. I want everybody to learn how to make a good crust. But if you're just a little iffy, all of these pie cookies are made in baking pans and you press the dough in. So it's a crust dough that you just press in. And then chocolate pecan filling or the apple pie, which has crumbs on top. So it's like a streusel apple pie cookie or the sweet potato pie, with or without the marshmallows, but who would want to leave the marshmallows out? <laughs> so are these, do they come out more like bar cookies that you cut like after? Bar cookies. Okay, great. And bar cookies are are such a good choice for Thanksgiving when so many of us are feeding big numbers of people because they're by nature like big batch. Exactly. So I was very excited when I realized that I could cookieize holiday pies. Yeah, it's a genius idea. For those of you who have not yet seen Dory's book, it's awesome, it's colorful, it's cheerful, like Dory. Um, so oh. I encourage you to go out there and, and pick up a copy and try one of these cookies for Thanksgiving. The whole fall holiday season um, is such a fabulous time for 
baking. Even people who never bake during the year will bake for the holidays. And it's such a pleasure to make something with your hands and to share it. So it's just a great time. If you're not a baker, become a baker today. This is the best time to be baking. So, Dory, I asked in the last week uh, my coworkers if they would just throw out some of their Thanksgiving quandaries. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to read a couple of those questions and you can weigh in. Oh, I hope I know the answers. Okay. We've talked about cookies, but Elizabeth writes, I just don't love pie. I love a crostata, but not a pie. I want to eat cake on Thanksgiving, and I'm willing to deal with the fallout from purists. Can you recommend a cake or a pie that's maybe less traditional that would work? I would suggest a bundt cake. Oh. Feeds a crowd Always looks beautiful because the pan is beautiful. Right. Ooh, an apple butter bun cake would be great. One with all the flavors that you would normally put in a pie, but you're not making pie. So you could do a pumpkin bun with some cranberries in it, or you could do a bun that has pecans and and cranberries and little chunks of apple or dried fruit. I think a bun is a great dessert. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And always, like you said, a showstopper. I mean, always. And you had nothing to do with it. It's all the man and you get all the glory. I was just thinking, I've made whoopie pies. Um, I have them in in the book. So pumpkin whoopie pies that have fresh cranberries in them and a filling, a little dolce, dolce filling in there. Oh, wow. That could be fun. Okay. Another quick question from Elizabeth. I am also always curious where I should store leftover pie. I don't like to refrigerate it, but is it okay to leave, say, a sour cream apple pie on the counter for days? I.e., if it has dairy in it, does it have to go in the fridge? Okay, so I said no so quickly. (laughs) Not not for any health reasons, you know, like you might die if it's out there. But leaving the pie out for days, eat that pie. Eat that pie. pie. Great advice. Eat that pie. I mean, pie is, pie is not a keeper. I asked somebody last week the best way to store leftover wine. That was the same advice. Just drink the wine. Drink the wine. <laughs> drink the wine, eat the pie. Our best <laughs> advice. So, Dory, I know you've got a scoot, you've got a busy schedule, but if you would indulge us um, in a quick lightning round of Thanksgiving related okay. questions. Okay. White meat or dark meat? Dark. Apple pie or pumpkin pie? Oh, so the first one was easy, and now you get it gets harder. Um, pumpkin, because I'll have apple pie all through the fall, but pumpkin is pumpkin says holiday to me. Got it. Whipped cream or ice cream? Oh, may I have both, please? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and if you could tell us about your most epic Thanksgiving fail. Oh, last Thanksgiving. <laughs> so recent. <laughs> <laughs> so recent. In fact, <laughs> um, my friend reminded me of this. So he was supposed to make the turkey. And at the last minute, he said, I'm really sorry, but we can't make it. I'll just prepare it. Everything will be ready. And I'm just going to bring it over. And all you have to do is put it in the oven. Okay. Right. Forget that it meant that I couldn't do other things, but never mind. So I said, <laughs> okay, fine. And he arrives carrying this huge turkey. I mean, the turkey was the size of an entire, you know, family. Right. And it's covered in cheesecloth that has been, that's been soaked in butter. Right. 
And I put it in the oven, and two seconds later, there were flames in the oven. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. That cheesecloth was totally burnt, <laughs> stuck to the skin. It was horrible. Oh, no. I put the flames out. Actually, my husband did. And just roasted the turkey with that horrible burnt cheesecloth on it. And then we had skinless turkey for Thanksgiving. What about your most glorious Thanksgiving win? Oh, (laughs) my most glorious Thanksgiving win. I think I would say yes. So it wasn't Thanksgiving. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. We had had Thanksgiving I don't even want to talk about that Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving meal, but we knew it wasn't going to be great. And so we invited 20 friends to have an after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. And I got to cook all the food that I wasn't able to cook on Thanksgiving. And we didn't have enough room for everyone. I mean, who has room for 20? Right. So we put long table after table because I wanted one table and we could only set up after everybody had come in because I guess this was a fire hazard, but because you couldn't open the front door after that. And I had one long table going from the front door all the way to the end of the living room with 20 friends around the table and all the food that I had wanted to make the day before and couldn't. It was wonderful. That sounds like the picture perfect Thanksgiving. It was great. It was great. And then finally, Dory, what are you grateful for? Oh, so much. I'm really grateful for my family. I have a great family. I love my family. I'm grateful to be able to do the work that I do. I think I'm so lucky to have work that I love to do. I'm grateful for my friends. How much time do we have? I could go on and on. I'm a very lucky woman. (laughs) Well, we are lucky to have you here with us. So, Dory, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm going to run out and start baking pronto. Bake! Bake! Go bake! Dawn, this was great. Thank you so much. My next guest is Emily Elson, baker and co-founder of Brooklyn's beloved bakery, Four and Twenty Blackbirds. It's famous for their sweet and savory baked goods, including their trademarked salty honey pie. Emily, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We're just kicking off your busiest season at the bakery. Maybe tell us what life is like for you at work over the next several weeks. Well, you are right. It is definitely the busiest time of the year, and it's sort of starts right after Labor Day. Um, it wow. feels like, you know, we always have a busy summer with fruit pies and fruit pie season. And then as soon as, as soon as everyone comes back from the beach or the woods or wherever, it's like pumpkin pie. Where's the pumpkin pie? <laughs> it's sort of like as soon as bathing suit season is over, we start yeah. thinking about pie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so how many pies do you expect to make and sell this year? Well, for the Thanksgiving week itself, last year we did uh, 4,200. Wow. So I'm guessing we'll aim for that same amount this year, um, if not a little bit more. And then around that, like even the week before, you know, we, our volume goes up. So, you know, the month of November, it's certainly over 5,000 pies, 6,000 you know, something like that for the whole month. Um, but that week is the big crunch where we're really trying to get everybody that wants a fresh pie, their pie, either picked up on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. It's a lot of like planning and logistics just around getting 
that many done in that short amount of time. You know, we don't freeze the product and ship it out um, yet. Uh, some people do pick up their pie early and just put it in the freezer themselves. But a lot of folks, you know, like that they're getting a fresh baked pie. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about where do you put 4,000 pies? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, storing them is really a matter of baking them to order. We have online pre-orders, so you can go online right now on our website and pre-book your pickup day and location. We have three locations, well, two in the city, and, and we also have a seasonal storefront in Orient and Long Island. If you pick up your pie on Tuesday, that pie has been baked within 12 hours. So it's baked, boxed brought down to the shop and then out the door as soon as we open the doors and customers come to pick up their pies. The biggest, hardest day is Thanksgiving Day, that Wednesday into Thursday, because everybody wants to pick up on Thanksgiving morning and everybody shows up at the pie shop at the same time. Right. So there's a line down the block of people waiting to pick up. That's the most challenging one, making sure everybody gets their pies, because you don't want to send somebody off with the wrong pie. You know. Right. But we've gotten pretty good at it now. This is the sixth year we were doing it, I guess. Wow. So you mentioned when you pick up your pie, it will have been baked within 12 hours. Is that sort of your happy window between baking and eating? Or how long do you think your pies or or a typical pie might last? Well, by nature of what it is, pie is pretty shelf stable. So our pies do hold up well, you know, up to a week. If you keep them in the fridge even longer, they can be frozen. Some of them are more shelf stable than others, but you know, the peak time of eating a pie is a couple hours out of the oven, but that's not always possible. And for the purpose of like transport and slicing and stability, our normal baking schedule is to bake all day and then those pies get served the next day so that they can be sliced and, and they're set, you know, they're still warm or the fruit filling is still warm, it runs all over the place, which can happen anyway if you don't set your pie properly with a thickener, but that's sort of the goal that we go for. So it's very fresh. I mean, I think it's as fresh as you can really get rather than making it yourself. And even when you make it yourself, like I would recommend if on Thanksgiving, I would say make it the day before because you can always warm it up. Yeah, there is that sweet spot, especially for fruit pies, that time when it's cool enough that the filling has set and it just doesn't Uh run out as soon as you cut a slice. But, you know, it's still warm or the warmer side of room temperature. So what are some reheating tips if someone were to make their pie the day before? Well, I'd say it's pretty simple. Uh, you, you can use your oven. Chances are you'll have the oven on if you're cooking Thanksgiving dinner anyway, right? Yeah. So warm it shortly before serving. Do not do it too high because you don't want to darken or brown the pie anymore. So low and slow on a sheet tray or like a cookie sheet, maybe cover it in some foil so that it doesn't brown anymore. Um, I'd say depending, you know, on the pie and how cold it is, um, 225, 15 minutes, 10, checking it, feel, sort of feel to see if it's gotten warm. I mean, I wouldn't pop it in the microwave or anything like that. That would change the texture. Yeah. You know, it's nice to hear there's, there's no real like secret to it. You know, you've got your oven on, it's low, stick it in there. And the other thing (laughs) you said, you said was feel it. I think that's a thing that home cooks forget, you know, use all of your senses when you're cooking, even when you're reheating. So don't be afraid to touch the center of the pie and feel, is it warm? Hold your hand over it. Exactly. When we're baking at the kitchen and I've, I might pull a pie to to send home with somebody that's visiting the kitchen. So my test is just to hold my hand 
directly above the center of the pie. And if you feel a heat emanating from it, then you know, I'll say, okay, open the box when you get home because it's still, it's still cooling because you don't want the moisture to trap and then get like a sweaty surface on the pie. Right. Rewinding just a little bit. I think a lot of home bakers are super intimidated by pie, especially pie dough. Do you guys have any tricks for keeping pie dough supple and easy to work with, especially when you're dealing with such a high volume of dough that might translate to the single serve pie maker? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. You know, I think people are intimidated by pies for a good reason. They are not that easy. It's again, there's so many steps. By the time you have that dough rolled out and have the pie together and baking it and you see that you made a mistake with the crust, it can be very disappointing. Yes. Um, I always say just keep, just finish it, finish baking. It'll probably still be delicious. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're making the effort, you want it to look good. So there's a few things with the crust and we have a cookbook and, and we really delved into it um, in the book because we recognized that having our, our little shop where we started out, Melissa and I being in the kitchen talking to people. And that was always the thing that came up was like, well, I'm so, the crust is so hard. I always buy my crust or, you know, people saying that was like, really like not that hard. Right. So the things that we recommend, number one, use a handheld pastry blender. You can do a machine if you are doing a lot of pies, like say you're, if you're doing a big Thanksgiving feast and you're making five pies, you know, then, then maybe you want to, make use a food processor but if you're just doing a couple it's just as easy to do a pound of butter to make enough pie crust for a couple pies by hand so we recommend using the pastry blender Um, keep your butter cold but it shouldn't be rock hard frozen um, and it definitely shouldn't be soft and melty it should be like fridge chilled butter um and if you're and if you're working your butter and your flour and your butter is say the kitchen's hot because you're cooking for Thanksgiving or whatever, um, or your whatever environment you're in, um, just pop thing pop it back in the fridge till it chill it's chilled back up. That's one thing I think people kind of they start working with crust and it starts to get warm or you know they're afraid that they're not working fast enough. But you can always just take the whole works and just put it back in the fridge for a little bit and let it chill back down. Yeah, I think folks are intimidated to like press pause, but that's Mm -hmm. a lot of what we do, um, both baking and cooking. It's like, you know what, I got to turn this off. I got to come back to it or I've got to chill this Mm -hmm. again. So yeah, don't be afraid to go in and out of your your freezer or your fridge. The other thing is once you've made it, like letting it rest is very important. But before we get to that, one thing I do see happen a lot with people is they'll leave their chunks of butter too big. You want tiny little like pea-sized pieces of butter. You're kind of getting to a cornmeal-like consistency with the butter and flour, but you're not blending it to like complete paste or pulverize. If you leave the chunks of butter too big, they'll melt out and you'll end up with a very tacky crust. Not tacky looking, but um, (laughs) uh, you know what I mean? Like cracker-like or kind of the texture will be off. Right. So then once you have the crust made, you know, everything is brought together into your dough ball. Let that rest because that flour needs to absorb the moisture of the butter and the water. The gluten that's formed needs to just relax. Make your pie dough in advance for sure. I say make the pies the day before Thanksgiving. Make the pie dough. You could make it a month in advance if you want and put it in the freezer. You could make it today. Yeah, you could make it today <laughs> and put it in the freezer. Exactly. And be done. You're like, okay, the crust is ready. And then just pull it out when you're ready to roll it. So those are things I think are really important. You know, keep it cold. High, use a high-fat butter. We like 
like a plugra or a European-style butter. It makes for a more buttery crust. I think the fat helps with the flakiness. Say you just can't get over the fear of dough. I'm sure there's a psychological diagnosis for that. Um, But if you wanted to, say, make a cookie crust, um, I feel like there's a time and a place. What pies would work well with like a more of a press-in graham cracker or a crumble? Yeah. Well, certainly any custards, I think, go well with a a crumb crust. Uh, Like a pumpkin, for sure, could go well with a graham cracker crust. Or um, we've even done like a saltine crust. um, Oh, cool. Yeah, which is fun um, and which is light and kind of simple. Um, We've also done our oat crumble, which we put as a topping. You can also press that in as a crust, and that goes nicely with fruit. Um, but I'd say, yeah, you're, you know, pumpkin custard or like a buttermilk custard or chocolate custard. Um, cream pies do great in cr- crumb crusts. Um, the delicacy of the pudding cream seems to me is, is a natural pairing with a crumb crust over even the denseness of a, of a butter crust. Yeah, that sounds great. Would you ever recommend a store-bought crust? It's funny. You know, this has been brought up to us a lot over the years, and we actually just developed our own frozen pie crust. Awesome. Um, it's not nationwide yet, though. Okay. It's just in New York Whole Foods stores, but hopefully we'll get it out there. We've found that the pie crust market is a little lacking. Agree. You don't get the good buttery crusts. It sort of cheapened quite a bit, you know, and even though the price point reflects that, Ultimately, maybe not very pleasant. If you see palm oil or other weird stabilizers or things that you don't know what they are, chances are it's not going to be that great of a crust. So look for a crust that's made with butter, mostly butter or some other good fat, um, and you'll probably end up with something better. I'm on your website right now, Uh uh, Uh birdsblack.com. Yes. Slash menu. Um, so yes. these are the fall pies on offer. Um, so if you're in the New York area um, and you want to try one of these amazing pies, either for Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving, this is what we've got. Emily, if you could shout out which one of these is your favorite, I'd love to hear sure. it. So for the fruit pies, we have plum streusel, bourbon pear crumble, and a salted caramel apple. Man, I had some of that bourbon pear crumble the other day, and I was like, this is so good. But the plum streusel is so good. Plums. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, custard pies. We have the salty honey, TM, uh, lemon chess, brown butter pumpkin, buttermilk chess, and matcha custard. Wow. Yeah, it's custard season. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that buttermilk chess pie. I think it's such a wonderful, simple recipe. It's not too sweet. It's tangy. It has a little cinnamon in it. It's a simple pie. And then finally, the chocolate. We've got a chocolate julep, black bottom oat, bittersweet chocolate pecan, and a chocolate chess. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I think I'd probably go for the chocolate chess if I had to choose one. Okay. Um, you know, I think I told you I like smooth, putting yeah. custardy textures and Although the black bottom oat would be a close second because it's delicious cookie-like in a way, like an oatmeal chocolate cookie. But the chest to me is just, instead of using um, chocolate, we use cocoa powder. And it's got a put that puddingy quality to it, sort of like the best chocolate pudding pie. So guys, if you're in the New York area, especially if you're in Brooklyn, head over to the shop for and 20 Blackbirds. It's absolutely worth the trip. And you can check out their website, birdsblack.com. Emily, indulge us in a lightning round. Oh, sure. Some quick fire questions. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. ready. <laughs> White meat or dark meat? 
Oh, that's hard. <laughs> uh, probably I would pick white meat. Okay. Apple pie or pumpkin? Pumpkin. Whipped cream or ice cream? Mm, ice cream. Okay. And if you could tell us about your most epic Thanksgiving fail. Well, as it relates to my whole life now has been pies at Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> so, so I don't know if I have any memories before. That. <laughs> yeah. I think you could consider it epic fail. We did at the time because it was really challenging was the first year of Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. We didn't take any pre-orders. We just did first come, first serve. Um, we disappointed a lot of people. We didn't communicate well enough about what we could do, but we didn't know. So it was kind of, you know, we knew we had to work harder the next year and we had to plan better and, and we, we learned from it. So to me, it was kind of a fail because it's hard to have people come up to you and be like, I thought I was going to be able to get a pie. We had a bigger turnout than we expected, which isn't a bad problem, but right. it was definitely a, a sort of heartbreaking problem. <laughs> and then what about your most glorious win? Probably that we're still doing it. <laughs> We've grown <laughs> from 400 pies to 4,000. That is certainly worth celebrating. Yeah, I think so. And, and and even this year with the team, I was like, all right, guys, we can do this. We don't have to kill ourselves. Let's just make sure everybody that wants pie gets it and right. that everybody has a good Thanksgiving. And then last thing, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for so many things, but, you know, the, I'd say obviously having a very supportive family and a good staff and a good team of people to work with and uh, that we're still going. Every Thanksgiving is always a celebration of that. Again, the year is anchored around it for us. So we make it. We make it through January, February, March and get to Thanksgiving every year. It's, it's worth being thankful for. All right. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being here. It was a real pleasure to talk My to pleasure. you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm Don Perry, and this has been a real simple Thanksgiving. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner. And thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks to my generous guests, Emily Elson and Dory Greenspan, for sharing their stories and wisdom. And remember what Dory says, color equals flavor. So go ahead and take it to the edge. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.